Well, you've come to a great morning. We're doing five mornings looking at worship, different aspects and angles of worship, giving ourselves a broader understanding of what the Bible says of it, how we can grow in our understanding, and really, ultimately, grow in a love and a desire to worship God more. We're learning that worship is more than just singing. It's about God and it's about our lives. Uh, Yesterday, we looked at what it is to worship the Father. Not just worshipping some unknown God out there, but we're coming to worship the Father. Uh, Through Jesus, he's made us sons of God. Uh, Now that we are sons of God, we get close to God the Father. We're going to look at what it is to give God our whole hearts. And so, uh, the better looking half of our marriage is going to be speaking to you today. Please put your hands together for Anna Brading. Thank you. Thank you. Hello everyone, welcome. Thank you for coming here today. Um, I'm really excited to speak to you. This is like one of my favourite topics in the whole world. So we're going to have some fun together. Um, What I would like you to do is find a notepad, piece of paper, a phone, anything you can write a list on um, and get that ready for me, please. Okay, I can see heads are down. I think everyone's... You unlocked your phone, got your notes up. Okay, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to write down everything that you think is involved with worship. So there's no wrong answer here. You can't get it wrong. I'm not going to pick on you. Just write down. I want want you to write down as many things as you can, okay? So as many things as you can. Anything could be like setting up PA. It could be worship rehearsals. It could be reading your Bible. Anything. Okay, and I'm going to just time you so that we know we've done 30 seconds. On your marks. Get set. Go. Can anyone, uh, would anyone like to volunteer to shout some things out? Just stick your hand in the air. Anyone writing anything down? Yes, someone over here. Music. Thank you. Anyone else? Nobody. What were you writing? Yes. Obedience. Love it. Pardon? Hands in the air. Yes, over here. Adoration to Jesus. One more. Love God. Brilliant. Okay, how long were your lists? Are they sort of... Did you write a few things down? That's great. Okay, we're going to come back to that. So just hold on to it for a minute. So ever since the beginning of time, there's been God. Well, since he created the world, there's been God and there's been us. And we've had to figure out what is this relationship? What is it all about? How do we relate to God? How should we behave around him? How should we express our worship to him? So if you've met God and you've been a Christian for many years or you've just become a Christian, you've just met God for the first time at New Day, you know that the response we have when we meet God, when we see him, is we want to worship, right? And I guess, I'm guessing that most of you are here today because you want to grow in worshiping God. You want to know what true worship is. How do I truly worship you, God? I've met you. I know you. I want to worship you with my whole heart, right? Give me a nod if that's you. Yes, love it. Great. Okay, so uh, I'm going to just tell you a little little story about my marriage. Just let you in on a little secret here. Um, and obviously, I've, well, I've been married to Simon 11 years now. <laughs> and he is, he is the man. He is the best. You won't find a better specimen of a man in the whole world. He is the best. And um, we, we love each other a lot. We have a really great relationship. And we always want to make sure that our relationship's good, that we're showing each other love, and we, we're doing that in a good way. The problem is, for poor Simon, is that I assume that by now he should be able to read my mind. I'm convinced this is the case. So, like, you know, I've been married for 11 years. I'm like, why do I need to tell you anything anymore? Like, surely you just know. 
Surely you know what I want for Valentine's Day. Surely that you know that when I say I don't want a Christmas present, I actually do want a Christmas present. Do you not know these things? And that's, the, that's just kind of how it goes with us. And poor Simon has to remind me, like, you've never actually told me that. Stop telling me the other thing and just tell me what you actually want. And I keep going, yes, sorry, actually, yes, I should realize by now you can't actually read my mind. Any husbands relating to this in the room? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, guys. We do do that. I think we, a lot of wives tend to do that, but I can't speak for everyone. But that's certainly what I do. Thankfully, when it comes to God, it's not like that. God hasn't left it a mystery of how we are to relate to him, how we are to worship him, how we should behave with him. It's not this like mind reading situation. He's given us um, a load of instructions, a load of information um, of, of how we are to relate to him. So we find out all this information in the Bible, right? And you may know the Bible has two halves. It has the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they are in chronological order. Um, so when we look at what, like, well, how should we behave with God? How do we, how do we worship God the best? We can start at the beginning. We open the book of the, way. thank you. Wow, this is fun. We can start at the beginning and we can look at the Old Testament. We open it up. And what do we find? We find a whole load of instructions that God gave his people. Uh, he gave his people a whole bunch of laws. Who's heard of the Ten Commandments? Yeah. So, you know, things like do not envy, do not steal, do not commit adultery. The only other thing is, is what you may not know. There's, that's not it. That's not all the commandments in the Old Testament. There are 613 laws in the Old Testament, a whole ton of things. And all of these laws relate to how we should behave to honor God, to please him, how he wants us as people to behave and how we should worship him. There's a whole ton of instructions that God gave the people. Wow, this is loud next door. A whole ton of instructions about how we should worship uh, the people in the Old Testament. They had to go to a tabernacle. They had to make sacrifices. A load and loads and loads of instructions. And what we found, if you carry on reading through the Old Testament, is not single one of them, not si- one single person could do it. There wasn't a single person you could find in the Old Testament who got everything right, who could behave exactly how God wanted, kept all 613 of the commandments and the laws and the, and the instructions of how to worship God, how to worship God. So what all that happened were these, were three things happened when we look at the instructions from the Old Testament about how to worship. One thing that happened... It showed the people of God in the Old Testament just how holy God is, how other he is, how perfect, how flawless he is. All these laws, they just pointed towards, whoa, if we have to act like this before you, God, you must be so holy. You must be so perfect. You must be so other than us. The second thing it showed the people in the Old Testament was how imperfect they are. how imperfect we are as people. Here's God in his perfection, in his majesty, in his glory. And here's us trying to keep the rules, trying to keep the rules and failing, 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 failing. Never getting it all right. Never having a perfect day. Never being able to keep up to the perfection of God. So why then Should these people that are so unclean, so imperfect, be able to have any kind of relationship with this holy, wonderful other God? How can that connection happen? So what it's like, it's like me getting on a train, rocking up to Buckingham Palace tomorrow, knocking on the door. Hi, Queenie. 
I've come to have lunch. Am I going to get through the door? No. There's no way on earth they're going to let me in. I'm not royal family. I'm not Megan. I've not married into the family. There's no way on earth I have any right to get into that palace. And this is how things were between humanity and God. There wasn't that connection. We couldn't come close. We're given loads and loads of instructions on how to get close, get close into, the, uh, into worship, into uh, coming close to the presence of God. But there were all these rituals and rules and, and we still couldn't keep them all. So that intimacy that we so wanted, that worship experience that we so wanted, that relationship, that connection just couldn't happen in the way it, sh- in it, the way it should do. So then the third thing happened. Everything about the law, the commandments, all these things, that these rule-keeping things of the Old Testament, just pointing, pointing, pointing towards our need for someone to come and save us. Somebody who could live up to these standards. Somebody who could get it all right every single day of his life. And somebody that could connect us back to having that relationship with God that we so want and we so desire and that's, that he wants. They pointed towards our need for Jesus which is the second half of the book. So here's the Old Testament. We've talked about the law, the rule keeping, our behaviors of how we need to, and it's just showing the, the separation that is there. And then it, we can see how it points us towards the New Testament, which is when Jesus came. And you might have already heard a whole load about Jesus this week. This amazing God-man who came to earth. Did you know that every single day of his life, he, can, he absolutely nailed all 613 of those laws? There wasn't a single day where he messed up. There wasn't a single moment where he got it wrong. He worshipped God perfectly, purely, in totality. There was, no, there was no mistake. There was no error. And not only that, he lived his perfect life. And then he died the perfect death, taking all of our flaws, all of our failures, all of the times that we couldn't live up to God's perfect standard. He took it on himself, onto the cross, into the grave, left them in the grave, rose from the dead, was exalted to the right hand of the Father, didn't stop there. He then sent his spirit to come and empower us, the failed ones, to live like he did. This is what Jesus did. So here's here's where we are now. So we've had this journey from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And here we are today, people who want to worship God. We want to know how to relate to him. But what I've just told you is, well, because of Jesus, it's actually not about rule keeping anymore. Relating to God isn't living up to standards. It's not trying to get 613 rules right every single day. Because Jesus did that for us. He knew that we couldn't do it. So he made a way to the Father. So what then is it all about? How do we behave? You just said, Anna, that it's in the Bible. The information's in the Bible. But the Bible's saying it's not that. So what is it? Well, we can turn to Matthew 22. Verse 36 to 38 to find the answer. Whoa, sorry. Somebody came to Jesus and asked him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. My message for you today 
is that true worship is love. Above everything else, anything you can do, any way you can behave, the first thing God wants and has always wanted is our love. Right at the top of the pile, more than singing, actions, deeds, it's love. That's what he wants. Not because he's needy, not because he's desperately craving some attention. He's not needy in the slightest. God is love. Love comes from him. He's in perfect uh, unity with the Trinity. They've got an, an overflowing, loving relationship. They're fine. They don't need love. They created love. They are love. But it's because it's what we're born for. And it's where we are truly fulfilled and where God can pour out his love towards us as we pour back our love to him. So what I'd like you to do now is go back to your list at the start that you wrote down. Have a look at it. And what I would like you to do is go to the top of that list. And if you're on a phone, just press enter a few times. And if you're on a piece of paper, just draw a line right across the top. And what I want you to do right is to write on top of all of those things, just the word love right across the top. Now have a look down your list. Everything on that list is not the priority. The priority in our worship to God is to love him. That is the first thing above everything else. 1 Corinthians 13 says this. I may be able to speak the languages of human beings or even angels, but if I have no love, my speech is more, no more than a noisy gong or a clanging bell. I may have the gift of inspired preaching. I may have all knowledge and understanding all, and, and understand all secrets. I may have all the faith needed to move mountains, but if I have no love, I am nothing. I may give away everything I have and even give up my body to be burned, but if I have no love, this does me no good. Love is the priority. Now, I need to warn you that we do have an enemy. And his job, one of his jobs he loves to do is to try and drag us back from prioritizing our love to God into the rule-keeping situation. And this is my experience, that rather than pouring out my love and my devotion to God for what he's done and keeping it nice and simple, keeping that first, the enemy loves to say, oh, but, but, but you're not keeping these 613 things that the, the Lord has said or, you know, rule-keeping. So one example of this, which I, I don't know if you'll be able to relate to, but maybe you will. Has anyone heard of the term quiet times? quiet times it's a, it's a term that people use in um uh like christian circles to basically all it means is setting aside a bit of time every day to either read your bible or worship or sing whatever you want to do just to spend time with god it's a lovely lovely principle and it's a really good principle quiet times are a really good thing to do and i really recommend spending time reading your bible but the trouble is what the what the enemy can do is take something that's a good principle and make it a law and hold it over your head. So rather than these times of uh, quiet times becoming a, a, really, a good time where you can really grow in your love for God and your affection for him, it can become a law that you have to live up to every single day. And that's certainly been my experience. When I was about, it's about eight years ago now, I actually shared this last year, but I will share it again. I suffered from very, very severe depression. 
And one of the things that happens when you have depression, if any of you experienced it, is you can't actually experience um, joy and you can't experience positive emotions, which makes things like sitting down and having a quiet time actually very, very difficult. And I got to a point where I was very, very ill. I couldn't really get up. I was um, sort of horizontal most of the time. And it was a really difficult time for me. But then it challenged this whole thing of like, well, that means I can't have, a quiet, I can't have quiet times. Well, it's, it's really difficult. Like suddenly I've gone from having really rich times in the morning of singing and worshipping God and now suddenly I'm like laid out and I can't even function. My brain's not even working right. And am I even a Christian if I can't have a quiet time? And suddenly I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, hang on a second. That's not a law. I don't live under that. It's okay. Like I had to really examine my heart and think to myself, hang on a second. What has God asked me to do? God's asked me to love him. In this situation, what he's asked of me first is to love him. Regardless of how many hours I clock up reading my Bible, the most important thing right now is, am I loving him? And I I thought to myself, do you know what I am? In the midst of all this suffering, in the midst of my illness that I'm struggling with right now, I love God. And, And I was able to experience his grace and his joy over me in that time and just be released from that. And even like, that's actually helped me later on in life because I went on to have kids. And if any, anyone in here is a mum, you'll know that when you've got tiny babies, like, good luck getting up at seven every morning and having an hour to yourself. That ain't going to happen. So I, had, I was actually already released from that. So by the time I had kids, I actually had learned how to enjoy God in different ways and still have a, a healthy relationship with him without having to have this law of it has to be at seven till eight every morning or whatever. So the enemy loves to try and drag us back to the law. But Jesus has freed us from that, and he's called us to a life of love, a life of loving God. Now, this is the next thing I'd like you to do. So go back to your piece of paper or your phone. What I would like you to do is to write down a list of things other than God that you really, really love. It could be a person, it could be a dog, it could be coffee, Hawaii... So if you've got one or two, that'll be enough. What I want you to do is just to look over that list now. And what I want you to do as you read that list, notice what's going on in your heart. How do you feel? How do you feel when you look at that list? Now, I can see some of you smiling. I can see some little smirks, little corners. Maybe you wrote down somebody's name that you haven't told anyone about yet. I can see little smiles. How does your heart feel right now when you think about those things? You feel something, right? You feel some sort of sense of joy or um, just a, a strong feeling of affection. How many of you also experience those sensations towards God? Is that how you feel when you think about him? Like when your mind goes to God... Is that what, conjures, what it conjures up in your heart? Or is, is God to you, maybe he's like the rule-keeping guy. Maybe he's the guy that when you think of him, you think, oh, better be good today. Now, what God wants us to feel or wants us our posture to be before him is similar to those things on your list. Not to be in fear of, 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 of him, you know, are we living up to his standards today? But it's actually, he wants to evoke that feeling of love in your heart. And that's how we are to, to relate to him. So is God your, uh, is he the love of your life? Or is he the rule keeper? Is he the fun police? Who is he to you? And maybe that's something that you actually need to have a little think about and examine. 
God hasn't called us to go through the motions in Christianity. He hasn't called us just to do the things. It's way more fun than that. God's called us to a relationship, a rich relationship made possible through Jesus and what he's done. He's, he's inviting us into the love relationship of the Trinity and to be a part of that in Christ. And so for some of you, that will be revelation in itself today. You'll be like, what? so you're saying that the way I can relate to God is like I can have a similar sort of feeling to when I like go clothes shopping and buy some really nice stuff and I feel really great. Yes. So you're saying that like the way I can feel towards God and experience God is similar to like, I don't know, like when, um, uh, what did I put down as an example? Or anything you enjoy, like say football. Like, so when I'm on a pitch and I'm kicking the ball around and that feeling and that rush and that emotion and that joy that I have, that's what I can be like with God. Yes, it's from him. He designed that. It was his idea. Like we are designed to have a fun, loving, glorious, the best of the best of the best is from God. And that's, that's what our relationship is to be like with him. Now, let me... Um, what I want to go on to say. So, so for some of you, that, that will be relate, like sort of revelation enough today that you've been like, oh, okay, I think I'm seeing God as the rule keeper. I think I'm a bit scared of him or I'm not relating to him in a loving way. And that's something that, you know, we'd love to pray for you later on. Um, but I want to take this a bit further because I want to get real with you now and actually just have a look at what life's actually like in uh, loving God. Because, I mean, some of you will have experienced God maybe last night, like you, you were being prayed for or something and you had a real experience of the love of God, maybe for the first time. But when we get on in life and we carry on in day to day, it's like, I just want to give you an example of what it's actually like walking this out. So you're saying like, yeah, it's all well and good. Love Lord God, your whole, whole heart, whole, your whole mind, your whole soul. Cool. Got it. Great. I'll go and do that now. But then what happens? Life happens. So I just want to just give you an illustration really of what it's actually like to figure this stuff out. So I've got some friends who are going to come and help and we're going to do a little uh, example for you of what it's actually like. So... <clears throat> Here we go. This is God. Say hi to God. Say hi to God. (laughs) Everyone's like, that's not God. Stop making me say hi to God. It's not God. This is you. Say hi to you. (laughs) Right. See, here we go. This is you and God. And here's your loving God and God's loving you. And this is your lovely situation. This is like you at New Day. Everything's really great. And things are all peachy, okay? Okay, now face each other, face each other. Okay, who should we start with behind here? Where's... Here's Sin. Here's Sin. Hi, Sin. Say hi to Sin. <laughs> um, sin, so poor you has just done a Sin. And uh, Sin has got in there and he's just nestled in. Now who's next? Shame, come on, Shame. Shame comes on the back of Sin. So sin happens and then we feel the shame of that and we're just getting like pushed around. Stress. Come on, stress. Hi, stress. Life stress happens. In it goes. Sickness. Oh, hello, sickness. Come on in. Join the party. Bunch up a bit, guys. Bunch up a bit. Bunch up a bit. Condemnation. 
Oh no, the enemy has seen the sin. It's now poking the finger and pointing the finger. Disappointment comes along. Life hasn't gone the way you thought it was going to go. In comes disappointment. Now, where is depression and anxiety are a little pair. They work as a pack. So they're going to come together and just get in there. Now, pride, everything's going really well. Anti great Christian, pride comes in. And then grief comes along. Hello, grief. Welcome to the party. <laughs> So here we are. This whole lovely bunch of people has now joined the party. And look what's happened. Now, God is still there. God hasn't moved. Have you, God? No, God's still in exactly the same spot. But you have been bunched along. And now suddenly you're feeling the distance, right? You're feeling the separation. You're feeling, you're feeling the love has diminished. So your feelings, your emotions uh, in your heart are diminished. Right. Um, Let me just check. I've said everything I want to say before we go to the second half. Okay. Okay. No, stay where you are. The truth of the Christian life is love isn't this mushy thing that just happens. And every day is like, way love. I love God. It's so great. There are those times. Believe me, I've had them. Especially at times like New Day. Sometimes the presence of God is so strong. And you just are overwhelmed with his love. And praise God for those times. But I want to be real with you guys. And I want to tell you that love is a fight. And all I can hear right now is Cheryl Cole. I'm going to fight, 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 fight for this love. And this is the reality. It's not... This isn't... Um, just the thing that happens, part the main, one of our main things we do as Christians is we fight for our love with God. God doesn't move. He doesn't go anywhere. Because we're in Jesus, he's still facing towards us, never turned away. He never backs off. He never moves. He stays still. But we do things. We sin. But then things are done to us. Like, for example... Um, Shame. Maybe someone sins against you and you feel the shame of that. So we do things wrong, but things are done to us. And what happens is we get stretched, pushed, pulled, and suddenly we feel a million miles away from God. Okay? The truth is he hasn't moved. I want to say that again. God didn't move. We feel distance. Okay? He's still there, but we feel the distance. So what I want to give you is two tools for how we bring ourselves back to this close relationship of love. Here's the two things that I've learned in my life (laughs) that I hope will help you. What we have to fight for is reminding ourselves who God is, number one. Who God is. Someone shouts something out, something about they've, they've learned about who God is. What's he like? Sorry? Again? Triune. There's three of them. Okay. Different aspects of God. He's got three, three, he's three in one. So we have, yeah, we have Jesus. We have the one who's the savior. We have the Holy Spirit, who's the counselor, the comforter. He's, he's got a lot to him. There's a lot going on, um, which can really help us. Anyone else? Something about God that you know. What is he like? Peacemaker. Thank you. Anyone else? Uncontainable. Oh, love it. Anyone else? Put in? Graceful. Thank you. Another one at the back. Forgiving. Thank you. Okay, so stuff we know about God. Number two, what he has done for us. 
what he has done for us. Now, I've already explained this in the first half, but we have a job to do to remind ourselves of the gospel again and again and again. That's why we sing these songs that are full of who God is and full of what he has done, because we need reminding because we forget all the time. And these are our weapons, okay? This is our weaponry that we use to fight, to love God with our whole being. And I'm going to show you now how this works. So here we are. Poor you is in a right pickle, isn't he? So what we do is we take, let's go, where's sin? Hey, sin. Now, listen to me, sin. Jesus died for my sin, took it on the cross, and I'm forgiven. You can go. Go. What he has done for me, what has he he's done for me is he's taken my sin. It's gone. It doesn't have to stay there anymore. Right, bunch up, closer, closer, closer. Shame. You were taken on the cross. You bought, Jesus bore my shame on the cross. He took it. You don't have to stick to me. You can go. Go. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Who he is. Okay, sickness. He is the healer. He is my healer. It might not happen straight away, but one day I will be fully healed. And it might happen today. And I'm going to pray as God my healer. I'm going to remind myself, who is he? He is my healer. You can, you can go. Bye-bye. If you're screeching along. Condemnation. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. What he has done for me is he's forgiven my sins. He does not condemn me. You can go. Bye-bye. Pride. Wow. God is massive. I'm not. He's the holy one. I'm not. And he loves me just as I am. I need to humble myself right now. You can go. Bye-bye. Stress. He's covering me. He's over my whole life. He sees everything. I'm reminding myself who he is. He's got me. He's got my back. He's working everything for good. Even when it seems like everything's against me, he's working for my good. Bye-bye, stress. Disappointment. Reminding myself, I'm going to go a bit quicker now because otherwise this is going for a long time. I'm reminding myself who he is, that he's working everything for good. Depression and anxiety. I might need healing. I might need to remind myself of what he's done, who he is working for me. You two can go, little pair. Uh, Grief. He bore our griefs on the cross. Did you know this? He bore our shame. He bore our sin, our sickness. He also bore our grief. We can bring our grief to the cross, remind him, remind ourselves of what he's done for us. And he can take our grief. Hang on a second. These two are back together again. Right, you can sit down. Thank you so much. Can we have a round of applause for our actors? Now, I've done that in a really fast way, and I don't want anyone here to feel like I'm trivializing things that we go through in life. And sometimes, for me, one of the things that I had to deal with was illness. That took two years, that process. And I had to choose to lean into love Lean into love, lean into love, and it wasn't a quick fix. So I don't want anyone to go away from here feeling like, oh, we just apply this and off you go. Sometimes it is like that. It is quick and we just need to, but what I want you to see is the leaning in, the pushing back, the fighting back and not allowing things to rob you of your love relationship with Jesus um, and with God the Father and Holy Spirit. So the choice is ours. God does not retreat. He stays here because of Jesus. He's facing towards you, always loving you, always uh, wanting to show his love and affection towards you. But things can push us back. But we can lean in as much as we want to. So 
this is kind of the end of what I wanted to say. And um, the seminar was kind of based around the song called Born to Love that we sung at New Day last year. Um, And that was a song that I wrote because I read a book about this. (laughs) And I'd got a bit complicated in my Christian life. I started to think about all these things that I needed to do. Am I doing a good job? Am I doing well enough? And I read this book on love and I realized, you know what? He doesn't actually want us to prioritize those things. He wants my heart. He wants me to love him. And that is the first thing that I needed to do. So I sat down at a piano and I just wrote, I wrote those words. Here I am, all of me, all my wins, all my flaws. Lord, I'm laying it all at your feet. Here you are. All of you, all your love, all your grace, and your calling again, come to me. So this morning, I hope this has demonstrated something of what we are to do as Christians, as to how we are to behave in our relationship towards God. But I hope you're hearing the main thing in all of this is love. It's the enjoyment of God's love, but it's also pouring out our love to him. And that is really, actually, what worship is all about. So we've got an invitation this morning to step a little closer. Oh, that's the pre-chorus. Step a little closer to the fire. Like God is here. He hasn't moved from you, okay? Since you gave your life to him, he's not moved away. He's not turned away from you. He's always there. But we can choose to press in. And I want to invite you to do that with me this morning. Is that okay? So if you want to stand to your feet. We're going to sing through this song together. Um, And I just want you to think about if there's anything from what I've said that has come up in your heart. Maybe you've just realizing that for the first time that actually God doesn't want your actions first. He wants your heart and he wants you to love him. Maybe it's something that was on the front row here. One of those things has actually really got you right now. Maybe it's anxiety or depression. Maybe it's stress or worry or one of those things. And you know that's really got in. Uh, maybe it's just life's just got really complicated and your walk with God's just got really complicated and actually you're just hearing again today do you know what it's actually really really simple he's called me to love him and the rest comes after that whatever it is we've got an opportunity now to just bring all those things to him and we've got an opportunity an invitation to lean in to his love and to step closer to him this morning so we're going to sing that song Sai is there anything you wanted to say or add or no? He's good. <laughs> He's ready to play. Can I look at this as well? Um, yeah, I think it, it occurred to me that some of the things along the front here were a result of you. So sin is like, that's our fault. We've made a bad decision. We've taken that on ourselves. Um, some things are actually outside of our control, like sickness. Sometimes you just can't help. Um, some of it is a fruit of both of those things. So anxiety could come from your sin. Anxiety could come from sickness, um, etc. All of these different things, what Anna so helpfully, so helpful, um, helping us do is we shouldn't let these things rob our love for God and get in the way. And this is learning to process the emotion to come back to God. Um, yeah, so I think it, let, let's do that. Let's do that now. Some of you, you're actually in that. You're like, oh man, there's so much stuff in the way right now. Some of it might be, God, I need to hand this to you. Some of it, I mean, I need to actually repent and just turn away from some things. I've just believed things about you that aren't true. Whatever the clutter is in your heart, let's put him at the top and let's come to him with all of our mess. Yeah, there's a piano one.
Should we sing? Have we got some lyrics somewhere? Are they going to happen? <laughs> 